0: On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam
1: Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the Clubhouse.
0: Yeah, good everyone and welcome to the Clubhouse. Great to have your company right across Australia as we talk all things golf. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen, with you. hope you're enjoying. Golfing Weekend. Hey, Marco.
1: Nice to see you, Jules. Nice uh, to see you. Always busy in the golfing world at the moment. Oh, i will to talk about it again this week. How about the format this week? Unbelievable. I you like, like it. it.
0: Oh, yeah. Team golf's the best.
1: Interesting, hey?
0: I love team golf.
1: When I first heard about it, I thought, oh, come on.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, what are we going back to the 40s and the 50s, which they used to play a bit of this. You know, one of the Byron Nelson famously won 11 tournaments in a row a million years ago, yep. right? 1950s or 40s or whenever it was. Uh, and some of those events that he won in a row were team events. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of scoff at him, Oh, 11 in a row, but come on, really. He played in these team events. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see I like how it, it all that pans they, out.
0: I like it that it counts.
1: Oh, now, that's, that's the, the important bit. bit. Yeah. That's the important bit. Tell me this. I know, look, there's a few questions I need to ask. If you win, do you get the two-year exemption, both players? Mm. If you win, do both players end up going to Augusta? Yeah. <laughs> So, I haven't, I haven't read anywhere where those two things have been covered off. But I do like the way they're doing it. So, for instance, the, the FedEx Cup points, uh, normally speaking, it's 500 points for a first place finish and 300 points for a second place finish. Yep. But what they've done is they combine first and second, third and fourth, fifth and sixth, so they add them all together. So, for instance, um, a win on a regular tournament is 500 points. But this week, what they do is they add the 500 and the 300 for first and second yes. and split them. So both players get 400 points. Mm-hmm. So I like the mathematics along the way, but it will be interesting to see whether they get Augusta invites and, and the two year exemptions. Yep. I've got a feeling you know, do you?
0: Well, I'd, I'll have to check that we'll in have the to check, I'll we'll have it. to check that in the I outbreak. thought,
1: by the way, you were smiling at no, me, you had one on me. I was smiling because of some of the groupings. Okay. Oh, yeah. Some yeah, of the groupings on. have captured my imagination. Because I'm tipping, you want to play with your mate in this competition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, if, if I was of a tour player, I want to play with, mate. Play with my mate. Yeah. And probably one of my mates who can play.
0: And the best thing about this is that <laughs> yeah. normally when you're playing team golf, it's, you know, the uh, you might have the World Cup where you're going to yeah. be playing with a fellow countryman. Yeah. You might have the Ryder Cup where you're playing with either a, an American or yeah. a European player or you're the President's Cup or whatever it might be. Yeah. This one, just pick your best mate. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, uh, Ricky Fowler, want to come play with me? Yeah, all
1: right. Jason Day. We'll have a hit. Day Day, Ricky Fowler, not bad. Jeff Ogilvie, Ian Ian Poulter. Not
0: bad. Not bad. Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson.
1: Not bad. Steve Stricker, Jerry Kelly. Not bad. How about this one for trouble? This group's got trouble written all over (laughs) it. Stephen Bowditch and Boo Weekly. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon you can find them. At Arby's, oh. yeah. straight after the round. Do you reckon they'll even drinking. bother playing? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> what about Brooks Kepka? Looks like he's playing with his brother.
0: He is. Yeah, okay. Koepka brothers.
1: So, is the other Kepka on tour, or is he, um, just, is he piggybacked on his brother's coattails? Um, I don't think the other Koepka's on tour. Not, not as far as I know. If he's on tour, he hasn't done much. <laughs> Brandon Grace and Lou hasn't, so the South Africans playing together. Yep. Uh, yes I love nice. the
0: uh the Kepka brothers um the quote from Brooks Kepka it will be fun but it could be interesting we could kill each other on the second hole or it could be awesome there you go
1: that, that <laughs> sort of stuff yep. Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson that yep. looks like the number 1 team from Europe to me yeah uh Matsuyama and Tanihara. Tenihara yep so the Matsuyama hottest Asian player in the world at the moment mm-hmm. was the hottest player in the world the long was ago, for a while yep. playing with the greatest Asian putter in Tenihara yes. so yeah all that stuff is fantastic Yep. all that stuff is fantastic, and it's a nice version of new golf. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice version of new golf. So, yeah, we've we've seen the World Super Six Perth. We did, and we and that was great. I thought that worked really well. Um, we've seen a few other shortened versions of the game yep. that I think are garbage, absolute garbage. Uh, but this sort of stuff, I like the innovation, yeah. Mark. I like them trying stuff. It's the same I've as got, the World Cup foursomes. Yeah. So yeah. the first. Rounds one and three, they play alternate shot, mm-hmm. or we call them foursomes down yep. this part of the world. And then it's uh, best ball. Best ball. The other two rounds. Yep. So I reckon the winning score, if it's just an ordinary, a standard, a standard US tour course and a standard week of weather should be around 15 under par. Because yep. I think alternate shot gets pretty tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. You don't get into a rhythm. It's yep. harder.
0: You know. It's where you want someone who's got good, good off the tee, someone with a good short game, <laughs> just cover each other off.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. I like it. I yeah, like it. We'll see.
0: I, I am in, all in favor, Marco, of them trying new things because we've talked about ad, ad nauseum on this yeah. show about the coverage of golf and how they can make things better and all that sort of stuff.
1: Uh, uh, yeah.
0: But I'm all for trying something. If yeah. it doesn't work, don't do it again, but at least have a crack. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm all for that in all all sports. Yep. You know, it, there's some of the rules we've seen in the NRL and the AFL mm-hmm. that some haven't been trialed, some have been <laughs> trialed. But if you just go, listen, we're going to test this rule out. Yeah, we're just going to have a we're just going to have a Give look. Six weeks in the real season, because you know a lot of the time in practice rounds yeah. or in practice matches, the teams aren't going to be as sneaky as they are when there are points available. Yeah. that go against the team's side. So, for instance, the third man up rule in the AFL. Yeah. That rule would have been much better. Well, it wasn't trialed at all, but we, nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, it's not working. Let's yeah. let's pull out let's it, let's scrap it." And it's the same theory as this. Let's try it. Let's see what happens if it's no good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's give it the old heave ho. Yep. Uh, I wonder if the US tour will do a world super six. Yeah,
0: I'd I like th- to say I, th-
1: it. I think they do. Yeah, I think they need to to make it work to make it legitimate. And
0: I'd like to see it sort of party hole style. Phoenix type of a setup.
1: A world super six. In Phoenix, yeah, oh, that would be huge. Yeah.
0: Make it a fun event, and then the golfers out there, mic them all up, and the, the caddies hole. up.
1: The playoff hole
0: is sixteen. Well, I can I we spoke about this at the time. I can't believe that they played three playoff holes there this year. Was it three? Yeah, all and on not, the eighteenth, and not one of
1: them was on the sixteen. Stupid. <laughs> Although it is, it is um, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl everyone day, and off. everyone does nick off. Yeah. But you would think. If there were playoffs, you're not going to bugger off. Yeah,
0: if you knew that the playoff was going to go back to the 16th.
1: Yeah, you're right there. there. So we want a World Super 6. We need, we need match plays. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Yep. We, ne- we need a World Super 6, not only the US Tour. We need one on the European Tour. We need one in Japan. And we've got one in Perth as it stands just at the moment. Yeah. But, yeah, let's try it. Let's suck it and see. And let's also just keep note of the teams that didn't make the cut who split up next year. Yep. Because that'll be funny. Yeah. yeah they'll be blaming each other for missing cuts.
0: I did uh I did read with interest, mm-hmm. um, that uh speaking of players who might blow up, yeah it's uh, Padre Harrington and Sergio Garcia broke bread at Rory McElroy's wedding. Is that right? Over the weekend.
1: Yes. Did you see who played at Rory McElroy's wedding? No. Lionel Richie. Did he? And I think it was Coldplay. Really? Pretty band. pretty standard. So, so uh
0: what wedding band you got this uh
1: Year. What would Lionel Richie cost you?
0: Well, they must be mates. You think that be mate?
1: Rory McIlroy and Lionel Richie are mates. Well, I would assume so.
0: Unless he, well, I guess he's got a lot of money. <laughs> Does Lionel play golf? <laughs> I don't know. Well, if you, I mean, if you're a fanatical <laughs> golfing fan, I don't know if Lionel Richie is, but if you're a fanatical golfing fan and you could guarantee a game with, say, Rory and yeah. Tiger and Jason Day
1: with the Nike trio. What, what was a of 200000 Yeah. Two hundred thousand, come to sing. You know what? What are his best? Come and sing your three best. Yep. And nick off. That's it. And it's Coldplay, play. Just my favourites. Just want you to play those ones. Yeah. And see you later. Perfect. See you at the bar.
0: I love it. Um. Oh. But yeah, Sergio and Padrag made uh, made peace. Which oh, is that's good. good. Um,
1: Sergio needs to make up with a few people. He and Tiger. Yes, Ian Patrick. Yes, uh, there's probably a few
0: now. Mark, I want to talk to you about something that's happened just recently for us, uh, known as the Lexi Thompson rule.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, here's another great example where the USGA and the R&A they are they're, they're heads in the right space at the moment. Yeah, they're fixing it.
0: Yeah, so tell us what's happened.
1: Uh, well, clearly, Lexi Thompson this year who marked the ball incorrectly in the video came okay. up the next day, uh, penalised two shots. And then another two shots for an incorrect scorecard. What an absolute joke. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just rubbed people the wrong way. And then there was an incident in the Women's US Open a couple of years ago uh, where a player, and i forgot the name just at the moment. I sent you the email earlier in the week.
0: Is it Anna Nord?
1: Yes, thank you. Uh, i definitely two... pronounced that incorrectly. Nordquist, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Moved two grains of sand. She was in a winning position as well. Yeah. Moved, moved two grains of sand that you would never... Ever have known. The rule wasn't made. These rules, in fact, most of the rules of golf, have not been made for zoom lenses on high-definition high, defini- high definition yeah. cameras. Yeah. They just haven't been. And for Anna to move, I'll go with three grains of sand mm-hmm. on a backswing, uh, there's no way in the world you can ever know that that happened. There's just no way. No. And for that to be picked up on the super slow-mo and then used against her was disgusting. Yeah. That okay. was disgusting. Agree. Okay. Same with what happened to Dustin Johnson; he clearly didn't make the ball move in the U.S. Open that he won a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. That was disgusting. Yep. Now with Lexi Thompson, what she did in round three—I'm not going to say it was disgusting, but it was certainly against the spirit of why we all play. You put the ball back where it started, not on a 45-degree right. angle to where your marker was. That. You, you're taught that from the That's very right. second that your mum or your dad or your grandma or whoever it is who teaches you to mark a ball, you know from the, that time onwards. And she didn't do that. But for it to be picked up the next day in that situation, in, in that circumstance, yeah. that makes golf look like amateur hour. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's yeah. been happening for a long time, and it's got to change. Yeah. It absolutely 100% has to change. And it looks like the RNA, the USDA – Uh, pulling their fingers out of their ears, Mm -hmm. and they're getting it done. So
0: what are they doing, Marco? They're eliminating the ability for technology
1: to change. change Yeah, Yeah, good. Yeah, basically. That's exactly right. Which is great. I mean, if a rules official picks it up in a telecast, that's okay. But anyone calls in, we're not listening. Yeah. So basically they state... The use of video technology can make it possible
0: to identify things that could not be seen with the naked eye. If the Rules Committee concludes that such facts could not be reasonably have been seen with the naked eye and the player was not otherwise aware of the Correct. potential breach, the player will be deemed not yep. to have breached the rules even when video technology shows up.
1: Correct. That's, that's the Norquest rule. Yeah. That, that's more. That's probably more the Norquest yeah. rule than it is the Thompson rule. Yep. But what they're doing is sound. Mm. And more and more golf is getting there. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really close to getting there. We, with all the new proposed rules, there was one more rule that I think would be magnificent in golf, mm-hmm. and, and that is out of bounds. And, you know, for forever and a day, if you hit the ball out of bounds, then you um go back to the tee and hit another one if you haven't already hit a provisional. Yep. I, I think if we're going to go this far and speed up the game, uh-huh. then I think just like you hit the ball in a hazard and you kind of guess where the ball went into the hazard, yes. I think you could also guess... Where the ball crossed the out of bounds fence. Yes. And you drop a ball with the same way you do a hazard. Yeah, well, I think they're, they're not called, moving forward, they're not going to be called hazards. Yep. There'll be a red penalty area and a yellow penalty area. So I think you could have an out of bounds adjudicated exactly the same way, mm-hmm. purely the speed things up.
0: Yeah. Would you go as far as to say that if you hit it, say, into the bushes, that mm-hmm. it's not out of bounds, mm-hmm. that you'd have the same ruling there?
1: Well, this is where the red and the yellow, I'm glad you asked the question, this is where the red and the yellow penalty areas, Mm. in some instances, uh, a yellow penalty area will be set up for bushes. So basically a red penalty area will be for creeks, Mm -hmm. hazards, Mm -hmm. oceans, Mm -hmm. anything to do with water uh, or where water could potentially run. Mm -hmm. And then the yellow water hazards, the way that I read the rulings, could be, you know how sometimes... um, if you go down to the Barn bugle, for instance, yes. and the rough on both sides of the fairway is you, you, you lose a shoe, let alone a golf ball, <laughs> if How you're well. walking in there. Uh, potentially, they will be yellow hazards to where yes. so just the yellow, yellow penalty area. So wherever your ball crossed, mm-hmm. that yellow line or the thick rough, uh, then you can drop the ball um, in line with where the hole is or two club lengths. And then play, or your, eight, third. And and then play your third from there. Yeah, it's not going to be two club lengths. It's going to be 80 inches. Yes. So, so you've
0: got to work out which club that is.
1: Yeah, which two clubs. Yes. It might be you two seven-eyes. You've got to measure it on your club. <laughs> that, that'll be the way to do it, I think. Yes. That'll be the way to do it. So, potentially, you can do it for really big rough. Yeah. Uh, and for jungle. And some golf courses have jungle. Yes. Then they could put the yellow penalty area. Yeah. A lot of courses down in the sand belt and more and more up north mm-hmm. uh, and right around the country, they have the... Um, the tea tree and... The areas of ground ferns and yep. really long rough in between the tea and the start of the fairway. Mm-hmm those areas could be potentially yes. become a, a yellow penalty area as well. It's yep. as simple as just a yellow line right around the entire area. Uh, you might, you know, you might duff it in off the tee yep. and you might be able to drop it back on the ladies' tee or whatever the seniors' tee, whatever that mm. front tee is, and, and hit it yep. away from there. So potentially these rules will really speed up play. And well, I like think, I was saying, I think the out-of-bounds could be done as well.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, Marco, because having played myself and having hit a lot of balls or into the bushes and you can't find it.
1: You can't find it.
0: You, if you're hitting a blind tee shot, you might think, I've mm. hit a good shot there, but you mm. might have run across the fairway and you go yeah. into the bushes and you yeah. go, well, I don't want to walk 200 metres yeah. back and slow the whole yeah. round down.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to wipe the hole. In all likelihood rule. Yeah. My ball has run through into that hazard. And the,
0: the new rules say that if you're almost certainly sure. Yeah. So that, that
1: in all likelihood, rule yeah. Yeah. So. I think no, they, third they, give, they give a percentage, don't they? Ninety-five percent. I think it is ninety-five yeah. percent sure. Uh,
0: so can you like, imagine him going? Well, I'm about ninety-three <laughs> percent.
1: <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, yeah. You know that there, there, there are situations in golf. I always remember the fourteenth hole, and where where in all likelihood rule should have been able to use in the fourteenth hole at Huntingdale they've got these big furry trees, or they used to, in yeah. front of a hazard. Yeah. So if you hit a ball left into the furry trees and you don't see it again, well, a lot of players were just thinking, well, in all likelihood, it's gone straight in the hazard. Yeah. But they didn't see it go in yeah. the hazard, which is kind of against the rules of golf. In that situation, you Should have to back. You, well, if you're playing by the rules, yeah. you go all the way back and, and hit if you didn't see it go into the hazard. But the all like, in all likelihood rule, is a good one, yep. and one and that think, will, is good for the game.
0: And I think it encourages better scores too, because your third is from 150 200 meters up the That's fairway, right. rather than playing it off the tee, which That's is right. almost impossible from That's there right. to make a point if you're yep. playing a Stableford comp.
1: Now the rules are designed just to keep people moving, Yep, and, and to
0: encourage people to be able to score well and enjoy their game.
1: Yeah, correct. And in all likelihood, if you think a ball's gone out of bounds, yeah, um, well, you just walk down there and just get going. Yeah. Just play your third. Yeah, get, get down there. If you could see the ball just out of bounds, well, kind of work out in all likelihood to mm-hmm. pass the out of bounds post right here. Yep. I get two club links from that perfect. spot, or I can go back. You know, it's just Make it happen. Make it happen. It's easier. It's better for the game. And let's get rounds of golf. Under four hours Under would be four. a dream. Ooh. But right around four hours. Yep. Four's perfect. Without without messing around.
0: All right, we're going to get to a break. I want to talk to you about putting next, Marco. Yeah. putting under pressure. Yeah, let's do it. Compared to putting on the practice screen.
1: Oh, well, let's let's do it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think we've all, well, if you've played competition golf, even if it's pennant or club championships, yep. I reckon we've all seen the putter face shake yep. from time to time. Mm-hmm. Just little movements, little bit nervy, right. and I'll try and get you through these spots. We're
0: going to talk about that next. This is the Clubhouse. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. We'll be back right after this.
1: In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse.
0: Yeah, welcome back. It is the clubhouse across Australia. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen, the best golfing teacher on radio, is here. He's going to talk about putting very shortly. But before we get to that, another thing yeah. with putting, yeah. Kevin Chappell.
1: Uh, it, it was fantastic to watch it because was, even though Sergio Garcia, what, three weeks ago at the Masters, <coughs> he became the, well, became less. Is that right? <laughs> he is no longer thought of yeah. as the best player in the world who have never won a major. Well, I think most people would have thought of Kevin Chappell as the best player on the US PGA Tour who hadn't won a tour event. Yeah. 180 times he'd played. He had a lot of close calls, uh, including one to Jason Day last year. Um, So to watch him come down the stretch, knowing all that stuff, listening to the commentators, Mm -hmm. I was fascinated by his putting. Uh, You could see he was nervy on 17. He's knocked it basically on the fringe of a par four on 17 pulled out a putter and had to putt through the fringe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reckon if that was in round one, he would have chipped it. Yep. But in round four, with oh, a yeah. win on the line, he's gone with the putter, which is not a bad way to look at it, but he's still 3 Yeah. That's the thing. That's yeah. why That's why under pressure, I mean, under pressure in that situation, what would have been ugly is if he duffs the chip and then the ball rolls back down to his feet, which would have happened if he duffed it. And then he's still got to putt up this tier and then Once you get over this tier, it goes straight downhill. It's an unusual tier. So he three-putted that and then hold his 12 foot on the last to win the tournament after hitting a wedge straight past the pin. It was a beautiful shot he hit in. But watching him putt, watching the way he thought about putting, watching him stick to his routine, watching the fact that he didn't, even though it was the most important part of his life to that point, he didn't change. Mm. He didn't take extra time. He didn't have an extra look. Yep. He didn't ru- he, he didn't look from the left and the right and behind. He, he didn't do any of those things. And that's what you're taught as a golfer. Yep. Every putt has the same importance. And if you treat putts as this is a significant putt, then what that does to the adrenaline running through your body is untold and can often be the factor that makes you tweak mm. with the hands down at the bottom because the right. tweak is no good. Because –
0: for everyone out there listening, Marco, mm. I feel like, and this is a personal thing as well, when mm. you're putting on the practice screen, Gio hit some good putts. Mm. <laughs> and I feel like the rhythm and the stroke is smooth mm. and the club face is nice through yep. impact. And it's just, it just feels really good. And I feel like I hit good putts. Oh, I'm going to ask you this. And I'm then gonna... you go on to the, f- to yep. the first green
1: yeah.
0: and you've got a eight foot putt for birdie or whatever it might be. Yeah. And you just hit this nervous little putt or you push it or you pull it or you come up short and you just go, well, what's going on? But you have the same routine yeah. each time.
1: Now, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you feel like that yep. because some of the pros feel like this as well. Uh, the best putters in the world do not feel like this. Mm. Tell me this. Yep. When you get on the second green and you've got to putt a 10-footer for birdie or an 8-footer for birdie or an 8-footer for par, how exact – do you try to be with alignment? Uh,
0: probably spot on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you've got the same eight footer on the putting green, do yeah. you try to be exact well, with alignment? And this is the thing. I When you're putting on the practice screen,
0: you don't even line it up. You just go. It feels like I'm going to hit it about there, Correct. and you make so many more putts on the practice screen yeah. with, by not lining it up, yeah. not lining the marker yeah. on your ball up, yeah. not thinking about the how the what the gradient of the green is Correct. or anything. You just hit
1: it. Correct. So here's the thing: when you when you when you are practice putting, mm. most people just plonk the putter face behind the ball, yeah, and trust that it's right. Trust is so important when you putt. When you are on that putting green and there are no I don't know, it doesn't matter if if you win you know, if it goes in or if it doesn't go in, you, you just get up on the putting green, you set your feet parallel to where you think the putt's gonna roll yep. and you just plonk the putter face behind the ball. I call it just plonking. Mm. The best the best putters going around are plonkers. They just go plonk and they trust that it's right. Yep. Not only do they do that on the practice green, they do that on the seventy second hole when you're putting for a million bucks, Mm. they plonk it. And this is what I was talking about before with Kevin Chappell. He didn't go, he didn't take the extra time to be exact with that last putt that he had. He plonked the putter head down as he normally does, had a bit of a look. His feet were already set in position. And just like I promised you on the putting green, away he went. So what most golfers do and professionals as well and point in case, our very own Adam Scott. When I watch Adam Scott, when he comes down here, he gets on the practice putting green, they all go in because he puts his feet down, he plonks the blade down, and he trusts. Yet when I watch him on the telly under pressure, he doesn't put his feet down first. He takes too long to line the damn thing up with the finger and then the alignment. And then then once he's fiddled around with the alignment of the face, then he puts the feet down. Yep. It's totally different to what he does before he actually plays. And you so spot on. Here it is. Here's the here's the big. Why would you practice one way mm. and then under pressure do it totally differently? Yep. So to everybody who is out there listening, take note next time of what you do on the practice screen. Because I promise you, most people just, they, they see their putt, they walk in, they put their feet down first, and they go, that's about right. Yeah. Then they put the putter face behind the ball. They go, that's about right. Mm. Then they have one look.
0: Yep. They, they come they back. feel it with their feet. And they, they might look have at another
1: it. look just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just go. Yep. So this is going to sound ridiculous. But in putting, no matter where you're on the putting green or whether you're on the 72nd hole with a big putt, putting for the Masters, near enough is good enough. Yeah. Plonk your feet down. Plonk the putter head down. And if you're off, you're off. Start again. Yeah a plonk and plonk plonk the feet plonk the putter face yeah then all you worry about from that moment onwards is making a rhythmical stroke mm. the right backswing length just like you do on the practice putting green and just you know basically keep your head still the way you go and it's so true because when you're on the say the second green mm.
0: you take a look behind the ball you line it up with the marker you've yeah, got your you're Pro exact. V1 you've got your Pro V1 arrows or kind of your TP whatever you know and you go oh hang on I'm about half a degree off here. Mm. So I'll go back and I'll fix it. And mm. then you go, well, oh, hang on. I've got to have my four practice strokes behind yep. the ball and, yep. you know, line it up properly. Yep. And then you step up and you go, you look at it and you try and try and be relaxed and you hit it. But then I find that when mm. I just, if you step up and just hit a putt, more of them go in Correct. than the ones
1: where you align it perfectly yeah. right every time. So this is the thing. You, you can exact yourself
0: out of the Out game. Out of the game. Yeah, it's
1: so true. You can because they trying to be exact yep. and trying to, you know, you're not shooting a gun at a tiny little target where you have to be exact. Mm. You know, and those guys at the Olympics or if the bow and arrow guys, they're shooting, they're pulling triggers between breaths. That's where they're at. Yeah, We're not at that level in golf, not that I know of. Uh. I don't know anybody in the golfing world who is – Pull on the trigger between heartbeats. Yeah. <laughs> like like a sniper does from five <laughs> kilometres. Or at yeah. least the ones on TV that I watch. All the uh-huh. movies that I watch, they're shooting in between heartbeats <laughs> and crap like that. Which is garbage. Yeah. In golf, just like you do on that putting green. This is the best thing about golf. Next time you get on that putting green before you play, just take note of what you do. Yeah. Because I agree, I am with you. I'm I'm guilty of because
0: it. God I hit some good putts on the practice group. Okay. I'm guilty of it.
1: I'm guilty. I, I know I'm guilty of it. I try to be exact, particularly yeah. if you play well early.
0: Yeah. That
1: every part is life and death. Yeah. You can't be. No, nah, you're you right. you got to become a, a plonker.
0: I'm so glad we had this conversation because in the next round I play... But you're going to be a plonker. I'm going to be a plonker. I'm just going to step up and go, oh, well, I think that's where it's
1: going and I'm going to hit it. Near enough is good enough. Yep,
0: and try on two-part and knock yep. it in.
1: It's completely against... What was, that, what was that movie, Um, A Beautiful Mind? Who was the Australian Russell New Zealander? Crow. Russell Crowe. Yeah. The guy in that movie... Mm. He won a Nobel Prize. Was it a Nobel Prize? Which is the one for science? I think it is yeah, a Nobel Prize. Right. Yeah. For basically a near enough is good enough policy. Yeah. Remember when he's in the bar and <laughs> the girl or the beautiful girl comes in and all the guys are attracted to the beautiful girl. And because everyone's attracted to the beautiful girl, no one gets the beautiful girl. It's too much competition. So if everybody focuses on number two... <laughs> Then everybody wins. It's a good analogy, Marco. <laughs> so this is exactly the same when you putt. Yeah. You don't have to hit the perfect putt all the time. Yep. It doesn't work well. It doesn't work in golf. No. Near enough is good enough. And be a plonker. Plonk your feet down where you think what you think is right. Yep. Plonk the putter face down where you think is right. Have a couple of looks. Keep your head still. Fingers crossed. Boom. Love it. Just like you do on the practice pony
0: step up and hit it.
1: Because the whole moral of the story is, and I said it to you in passing a second ago, why would you practice one way That's right. and then under pressure do it totally differently? Yep. Doesn't make sense.
0: And I think the same concept applies when you're off the tee with your driver. When you're in the driving range, you've got 100 balls in your bag Mm. and you just put it on the tee, Mm. step up and swing. And the majority of them go straight. But when you're standing there on the first tee and you've got Potentially 20 or 30 people watching, you're thinking, where's my alignment? Where's my my hands? My grip the right way? Is my backswing going to go straight? Am I opening my shoulders properly? Can't do it. Don't be exact.
1: You just got to step up and relax and trust your swing. Don't be exact. But spotlining, you know what spotlining is, don't you? Mm -hmm. When you tee the ball up, you pick a spot, three, four, two, six feet in front of you, six meters in front of you, you just pick a spot. Yep. After your practice swing's behind the ball, never have a, here's another lesson, never ever have a practice swing next to the ball. That's what hacks do. Tee the ball up, take two steps back, and have your practice swings back there. One, two, this is what I'm going to do. Get behind the ball, spot line something. It's two metres in front. Walk in looking at that spot. Plonk the face down. Basically in line. Then plonk your feet down. Then look at the target. Then pull the trigger. Yeah. So that's why the I'm best such, players... I'm genuinely a hack because I have two practice swings right next to the ball. <laughs> don't. If you're having practice swings next to the ball, I almost guarantee that you are not playing to your potential or feel like yeah. you're not playing to your potential because you're not spotlining. Mm. If you're if you're having your practice swings next to the ball and you're spotlining, then you're slowing everything up. Yeah. And if you are having your practice swings next to the ball and you're not spotlining, then there's no way you're lining at the right time, place all the time. So tee the ball up, two steps back. Bang. Have your practice swings from behind and mm-hmm. basically parallel to where you're going. Then spot line, then plonk. Not once, but twice. Once with the club face, once with the feet. Square your shoulders up if you had to. Mm-hmm. A little waggle while you're looking at the target. Yep. Club back down, pull the trigger. Bang. Away she goes. Get the putter out. <laughs> Nothing like There goes a ten long shots off your round, everyone. Just a putter in your hands. Bang. It's a good start though, because it, it does. It happens to everybody. Yep. And I reckon just watching some of our AFL footballers. Mm. Gold-kicking, um, gold-kicking. I'd like some of these guys to be plonkers as well. Yep. Instead of trying to be exact. Yes. You can't be exact. Going to take a break.
0: Plenty more Clubhouse still to come right after this.
1: In your life have you seen anything like that?
0: You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back, everyone. It is The Clubhouse right across Australia as we talk all things golf. Julian Baird, Mark Allen with you. hope you're listening earlier on to Marko's punning. hunting. Mm. If you didn't, just check out the podcast, search for the Clubhouse Golf Show on iTunes and it's there.
1: It's probably the most fun. I love talking about that stuff on yeah. radio, about uh, putting and the, mm. the methods behind putting. Yep. Um, look, that'll get you going. And then, you know what, next week, part two, mm-hmm. when you get the shakes. Oh, yeah. So you're a plonker. Things are going well. The ball's going in. Yep. But now you're in the club championship and you're nervous. Now I I'll talk about that next week.
0: During the week, I want to tie this back because I heard a
1: chat you did with Dale Lynch. Yeah, now, Dale Lynch. Probably the most famous golf coach we've got in our country yep. uh, as an Australian. Uh, a million years ago, another very famous coach, Kevin Sheedy, mm-hmm. transcends this country, household name. Uh, he got Dale Lynch down to have a look at uh, Matthew Lloyd, James Hurd, and a few of the forwards trying to get their pre-shot routine. So we all know about Matty Lloyd throwing the grass up. Well, it came from Dale Lynch. Yes. So I got him on to have a chat about it because okay. in the AFL, I know there's not everyone's an AFL state, but in the AFL, there's lots of issues with goal kicking from a number of clubs. Yep. And we got Dale Lynch on just to have a chat about what his golfing mind added to the AFL. All right, let's take a listen back. Hey, Dale, um, yeah. a lot of people frustrated watching the set shots at goal on one of them. i I'll put my oh, hand yeah. up.
2: So it's probably, it's probably interesting. The most frustrated people, obviously, Collin and supporters.
1: Yeah, I reckon St Kilda oh, supporters and Demon supporters would be scratching yeah. their head as well. Yeah,
2: hey,
1: can we go back to when Kevin Chidi asked you to Essendon a long time ago how you found the state of their practice, their set-shot practice at training. What, what did you think of it?
2: Um, well, it was, uh, back then, it was actually Dave Whedon, who was the assistant coach at Essendon, that, that first made the approach. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, was, there, there was really... Um, the preparation practice was non-existent from, for set, set shot. So uh, in terms of them understanding the routine and... Um, the component of the routine um, was non-existent. Um, I, I, I must say that since then, in 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 watching, I think that they fare a lot better. Um, players, you've, I've been to training it a little bit, and you see that they actually do train with someone standing in the mark. They're a lot more, um, pay a lot more attention to how far they should be off the man on the mark. You probably don't see the You know, running too close to the man on the mark or being too far behind the man on the mark. I think there's a lot more... There's certainly a lot more time and effort put into it. Uh, I remember back at that time, uh, it was all very new, um, understanding routine and what it's all about. And obviously, with golf being such a closed skill, it's it's an area that we know that we need to pay a lot of attention to. But by and large, footballers footballers didn't. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to. I I remember at the time... Going way back, uh, David Parkin, who was coach at, Carl at the time, he, he would run a coaching course at Deakin University, and some of us would go and, and sort of present to, um, to David's um, um, class. And I, I went through the, the pre-shot routine in golf and then explained sort of what, what I was doing at the time in um, that small window at Essendon. And then I remember David despite me a little time later, said he went back to his club and um, he said that when he asked his players about their, their pre-kick routine that not one of them actually knew what their pre-kick routine was, so I think as far as that aspect, it, it has come a long way um, but, you know, as you mentioned the number of the teams I mean, the Bombers, we've got a you know, passionate Bomber supporter and you know, you watch Joey Danaher how he sort of struggles in front of goal with, with set shots so there's elements of it that are certainly a lot better um, and I guess what some of the areas that we focused on back then was uh, about actually practicing with the man on the mark, walking back from the distance with the man on the mark, explaining what visualization was, looking at what routines were. It was interesting, I was listening to your show tonight on the um, driving home and you were you were talking about you was doing a bit of boundary riding stuff and, and watching how the players in their, their warm-up, that they're very smooth and very rhythmical and yet you know in, in game time, that you know, as you was in observation, they'd be stuttering and Yep. Uh, backwards and forwards and, and, and losing their rhythm and I, I I must say one thing one of the things that I did do back then was i I, I would use a stopwatch um,
1: there you go you
2: know the stopwatch would if you're looking at rhythm stopwatch is one of the ways you can measure measure rhythm and um, James heard was um, back in the early days probably wasn't a great set shot for goal and he trained harder than anyone the time I was there um, and he wasn't getting his, one of the things he wasn't he wasn't getting his results uh, on match day but one thing I noticed is I, I would sort of clock, um, I would clock his his run up at training, and then and match it to what he was doing during game day. And at times he was probably 20 to 30 percent faster in his his um, as he was running to keep the ball, and he was in training. So yeah. that was an area that he did pay attention to how much effect that had in, in improving his goalkeeping Like anything, um, not really sure. But that was that. There's sort of areas that um, that you know the players working on. Then so bit... They are much better now. However, um, results would suggest that they're they really not that much better in what they're what they're producing.
1: Well, for the for the people who didn't hear what I said today on the run home, I used to be uh, you know do the round the grounds and I would because I had an interest in the set shots and understood the dale, and you know it's it's kind of like golf, it's a little bit like putting. I would watch what they how they would practice, Craig, and their run-ups were smooth. There was no stutter steps. Uh, they, they looked rhythmical, mm. and the goals just kept on sailing through. And then what I noticed when they were on, you know, when the pressure was there and, you know, the game was there to be won, then the ball starts to be fidgety. There is no rhythm whatsoever. The stutter steps come from absolutely nowhere. And, and my thinking, and clearly Dale's thinking, and probably your thinking too, is that since we're 13-, 14-year-old kids, you, why would you practice something one way... Yeah. and then under pressure do it totally differently. Mm-hmm. And this is what Dale's seen you know, with the stopwatch and James Heard. How much better did he get straight away after the stopwatch stuff, Dale?
2: Um, look, it, it appeared to help, but... And again, you've always got to be very careful, but he's doing a lot of work, a lot of practice, and you're never really sure how much how much that, that affects the improvement. His goalkeeping definitely improved as, a, as his career went on, but um, he worked very, very hard. I, I suppose... <coughs> I suppose for me now in time, that was, I mean, gosh, it was so long ago, it's scary when you think back. Hmm. Um, I, what I find is interesting with footballers, and I, and I know where you're coming from in terms of the mental aspect, and I think that the challenge for football is to to really decide whether it is mental or technical or combination of both. And I suppose running by that, I mean, if you've got Craig sort of sitting beside you there, and I think of, of all the golfers that, that uh, i would worked with, Craig's focus, uh, the heaviest on his actual pre-shot routine, but I think that um, as a golfer, if in the back of your mind you're fearing, let's say, the ball going hard right off the tee, because um, you know there's a deficiency in your technique, your routine will drop off because you know there's a deficiency in your technique. Um, and I think you would have, you certainly would have experienced that, Craig, from yep. you know, when you're playing well to when it was a struggle. So I think for the footballers, in some ways, they've really got to look it's a challenge for not to figure out whether it's mental or technical. And it's ultimately always mental, but it's like when you compete on the PGA Tour, Craig, is it mm. if your technique's not right, it will affect the mental.
0: Fascinating chat, Marco. Loved it. He's good fun,
2: yeah.
1: Darlinch. And like uh, I would have loved to have been in that room. I would have loved to have been in that room. Yeah. Uh, in that first meeting with Kevin Cheaty mm-hmm. and Dale Absolutely. would have been fun. Going to
0: get to a break. Your masterclass is up next. There's a lot of masterclasses today. Stick around. Marco's Masterclass. Yeah, it is the masterclass with Mark Allen, the best teacher in golf oh, on radio. On radio, yeah. <laughs> Got to put the little uh, disclaimer on okay. the end. Disclaimers are good. <laughs> well, Dale Lynch was up there. We heard yeah, he was good. Yep. Now, uh, we do the, radio, do the masterclass every week for yeah. uh, Club Mandalay Golf Course. Uh, You can play golf at Club Mandalay. It's golf in Melbourne's north, Mm. clubmandalay.com.au, and always 10% off when you book online using our code CMGOLF. The CMGOLF, 10% off clubmandalay.com.au.
1: Shoulder turn is the key to power and accuracy. Shoulder turn is the horsepower in the golf swing, and we've spoken about this a number of times. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, you need hip turn as well to help create the the horsepower in your your golf swing. And also the shoulder turn keeps the club on plane as well. But, because I keep on telling people to turn their hips away uh, to help their shoulder turn, a lot of the time when people are turning their hips to help the shoulder turn, the head comes up, comes up. So, lots of golfers will tell you to keep the head down when you're hitting the ball. I'm here telling you to keep your head down while you're making your backswing. Because too many people are now turning their hips to get the shoulders to turn, and the head comes up two inches. If your head comes up two inches, the head has to go down exactly two inches yep. to get in the right spot that make contact with the ball. So I know people say keep your head down on the way through. It's a garbage tip, <laughs> by the way. Keep it. Don't do not keep your head down on the way through. Yep. that's a r- rubbish tip. But a good, twi- a really good tip is keep your head down on the backswing when you're turning your hips. Right. If you're turning your hips to help your shoulders turn back and to create more horsepower. Keep your head down on the backswing, mm. then swing away.
0: Perfect, love it. That's easy. Easy,
1: easy, easy tip. stuff. Easy too. Well, you well, you're, right,
0: you need about, you're right about if you turn your head, then it's going to come back the right.
1: Yeah, all that stuff. On. But yep. so, like I said, so many people trying to turn the shoulders, they actually jump mm. on their backswing. Don't jump. Just yep. turn. Keep your head down on the backswing. And then that's it. Just hit the ball.
0: Perfect. Marco, it's
1: been fun today. See you next week. Lots
0: of good lessons for our listeners out there.
1: Next week, we've got the shaky putter next week. We do. So everything's going well. You're a pocket.
0: I'm not going to line my putt up. I'm just going to step up and go.
1: Just take note of how your pre shot works on the practice (laughs) putting green and get it into your game.
0: I'm going to have a full report on how that went next week. See you, buddy. See you then.